gone. It's what? a bear. <laughs> In yeah. Sweden. Yeah, it's, it's just a bear. It's a bear. We bought a mic. We bought a... We bought a mic. We bought a... Mushrooms? We bought a fucking trippy visuals, man. Hello, and welcome to We Bought a Mic. I'm Ernest Calderon. With me is Hunter Mobley. And joining us today... Is this a pop culture podcast? I think it might be. Or it might be a strange, pagan, trippy podcast. I should say, guys, I just got back from a nine-day Swedish festival, so I might be a little bit out of it for this pod. Well, that's what I was going to say. Joining us from a nondescript location in the middle of Sweden... Where he can't use his name or likeness or the location... Is Adam Sidorius... Hey, I was just peeing on the elder tree. So, um, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't. You can't do that. Um, Our anthropologist yeah, friend back again. Yeah, I just said, you know, I was writing my thesis, you know, I just had to, but I'm back now. Everything's good. Thanks glad, glad to have you on. Uh, we've had you on plenty of times, but uh, some listeners may know you from our hereditary episode last year. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, so this Ari, is a recurring Ari Aster. Yeah, Ari Aster's first film so midsomar is only a second movie and he's already making waves uh turns out this guy kind of is what he's doing yeah without a doubt one of the the most uh, impactful voices in in film right now um i think i think drew uh told us that he was going to sweden um he hasn't returned i don't oh. i don't know where he is he he just said he was going there for like some sort of research for his parabola theory. You know what? I Someone invited him there. Will does, he does kind of seem like the Will Poulter of our group. He's always the funny guy making jokes. Yeah. Things probably didn't end. He probably found some Swedish babe who's luring him in right now. I, I, I don't know. I guess great. I guess we'll we'll have to see what happens oh, with, no. with Drew. All we know is that he, he went to Sweden. Is that something people do? People just go to, to Sweden? Yeah, and... when your weird college friends ask you to go, you yeah. go. You're like, yeah, yeah. Why not? When you're like, yeah, I'm an anthropologist. I might as well study some people. All right, so uh, hopefully we'll we'll see Drew again. I'm I'm hopeful we will. You know, my p- part of me thinks that maybe he'll return just a little bit different, just a little bit different. Um, but until then, we gotta talk the new movie from Mr. Ari Aster, Midsommar. Midsomar? It's it's technically Midsomar. I've been saying Midsummer as well as Midsomar and kind of going back and forth fluently. So, I mean, you know, I probably will continue to do so throughout this podcast. Yeah, I I wanted to start out by saying that uh, Hereditary still, it still sticks with me. You know, it's only been a year, but a year is a long time. And it's a movie I still think about all the time. It didn't quite make my top ten. But it's only because last year was so damn stacked. We did, uh, Drew did have it on his top 10. So there was representation from it on our uh, Listomania episode. But goddamn, that movie was just so, so damn good. Uh, I definitely had issues with it. But in terms of like an effective, creep inducing, nightmare inducing horror movie my god it just it's it just did its job and then some so obviously was excited for this follow-up only a year later which is crazy usually filmmakers take like years and years and years to develop their next project but Ari Aster got right to it uh and now his next movie's out in the world been very promoted by A24 I feel like this might be their biggest release or their biggest marketing push yeah i mean right now i think a24's biggest movie is ladybird and that was around it made like 40 million in that range oh yeah this probably i don't think this will make that much yeah it's i think it's floating around 20 ish right now after two weeks how much did hereditary make um i think that's already past hereditary numbers um which is interesting and we'll get into the comparisons of how how it's it's a very different movie for sure. Um, uh, yeah, not 
Well, I mean, luckily, I was very fortunate that I've seen this movie twice. Both audiences I saw it with were very respectful, but I've heard some stories about people hating this movie. While I mean, that's it. what happened when I saw um, Hereditary. Yeah, the audience people like, laughing turned and, on the movie. Yeah. Didn't happen with this one. I feel like this one could be even like more yeah. like you know targeted for like those disrespectful audiences because this is even weirder than Hereditary. I think like, so it's much weirder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, that being <laughs> I, said, I like this movie more than Hereditary. Really? I, nice. I, this movie, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak as much as I can without getting into spoilers, but the fact that it's set during daylight, the entire movie, in a lot of ways this movie almost plays in reverse from what you would classically expect a horror movie to go. This movie starts at nighttime with some horrible, depressing things happening. And then straight from that, we're just in the daytime. And it's almost like it was very intentional to put this movie entirely set during the daytime because you almost get that feeling, you know, if you're at a beach or something else and you're out in the sun all day and you just get kind of drained. This movie almost has that effect to you whenever, especially watching this in a dark theater and the screen is so bright you almost kind of become numb to what's happening. And to that toll, it almost, it, it has like a delayed reaction for you to realize like, oh no, we're stepping into full-on insanity right now. You almost get numbed to everything that was happening that was leading you up to this point. Um, Adam, what did, what did you think of the film? Oh, I loved it. I can't say I like him more than Hereditary. Um, but I mean, you know, that's such a high bar for me, so I, I didn't even anticipate that. Um, although I'll say, I could feel Ari Aster's technique of directing only improving in this movie. Like, he, um, once again, just proved himself to be like a master behind the camera. Like, the way he um, just frames his shots and he gets really intimate with the characters. Once again, just like Hereditary, you get really personal with these characters, almost like too personal for comfort. Um, but yeah, I think, especially what Hunter said, like that entire, um, like the whole way it uses sunlight as like a way to drain you in that paranoia of things never changing there. Um, I thought that was a brilliant, um, really creepy thing that he did. And yeah, I love this movie. I, I haven't seen it twice yet, but I want to go back for a second viewing because I, I really adore it. I'm like, I'm like scared to see it again. That's like yeah. the, that's the thing with Hereditary too. I still have yet to revisit Hereditary oh, really? oh. because I just I'm it left such an impact on me that I know that I have to kind of like work myself up to it to endure that again. And that's such a a, a feat for a first time director to do that. And for his follow up, obviously I I knew that he was going for something very different. And again, like you said, the the daytime horror aspect, the daylight the degree of difficulty of inducing paranoia and, and dread without relying on like darkness is tremendous. So I knew that this movie was going to be more ambitious than hereditary in a lot of ways. It, it, it is much more expansive and uh, yeah, just so much more ambitious than than something like hereditary even though hereditary did have a lot going on it's like a ghost movie and it's a possession movie and it's a cult movie and all these things it it's it's interesting because midsommar it's more broad and ambitious but it's also it's more focused if that makes Mm. sense because so much of this movie devotes itself to just exploring this little world that we're in this uh commune in sweden and and the the choice of having these students sort of uh research it and and write up a thesis about it makes it so that they're asking questions and it's a really uh kind of genius way to to communicate to the audience what we're seeing and that's my biggest takeaway from this movie is that that ari aster like he put something together here that is unlike anything i've ever seen like I, I have I have issues with this movie, some narrative problems with it that we'll get into spoilers that um, kind of mirror some of the same issues I had with Hereditary. But this movie 
is so damn unique, so damn creative, and just unlike anything else that you'll see in movies or cinema right now, that I I gotta love it. I gotta appreciate it. I gotta admire the craft behind this movie. It's so there are so many things like uh set design, choreography, costume design, visual uh um effects. Uh I mean, I'll get into details once we jump into spoilers, but if you know the film, you know what I'm talking about. That like there's just so many things here that I've never seen in a movie before like this or captured in this way. That Ari Aster is he, as a writer has a lot of uh kind of wrinkles to iron out i think in my opinion his writing uh it's very creative but could improve considerably but his directing is visionary fucking How old is visionary. he like in his early 30s late 20s like i'm not sure um i'm not sure i i know that he's been working for a long time and just now he's starting to like kind of break out into this uh this more sort of mainstream um uh, I mean, not even mainstream. This is not a mainstream movie, but but you know, sort of critical darling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I was for the most part, I was absolutely transfixed by this movie. There there's some things that happen in the back half, sort of the last third of this movie, that I was just I uh, fucking <laughs> flabbergasted, <laughs> mouth dropped in shock of what I was witnessing. So um. There is, like, some part, some, like, visceral part in me that wants me to say that this is my favorite movie of the year. Like, there's just something in me that's just, because this is so unique, and to your point about it's so haunting, and it's not scary. There's not a single, like, jump scare, classic scare thing in this movie. Instead, it's all about the tone and how unsettling and gross it makes you feel, and this kind of descent into darkness but there's no darkness for you to hide away in and it's a slow if, descent too it is and it's that's a, it's why a long movie it's oh it's, it takes its time it's yeah. a longer movie and i wanted it to be even i mean ari aster said the original cut of this movie was like three and a half hours long or something like that the director's cut that's going to be released on blu-ray is going to be three hours long and mm. i cannot wait to watch that because i just want to i want to spend as much time in this world as i can like just as an outside perspective, I don't want to actually go into this world, but just as somebody watching it on the outside, I was just so taken in in the performances. Florence Pugh, my God, she I've never really seen her anything. I know she was in Fighting With My Family earlier yeah, this year. She was fantastic in that movie. Um, she really elevated that material into something better than it was. Um, and she i'm starting my oscar campaign for this movie now like tony collette got robbed but i'm not gonna let it happen this year no not again now that you mentioned no. <laughs> tony collette i think part of me i know this is a little unfair but i think when i can't help but compare midsommar to hereditary and tony collette's performance in hereditary it's so fucking fantastic that florence Pugh doesn't ever come close to that level and oh, see, I, can't, I, disagree. I, couldn't help, I couldn't help but think of that. And she, Tony Collette is just such a powerhouse that nobody in, in Midsommar ever reaches that level. So that was kind of like a little bit of a knock. I will say it's, it is a little bit unfair because it's a different movie. But just knowing what Aster got out of Collette is just so unmatched. So, I mean, so it, it's, it's a lot to ask. Well, I... This might be our biggest disagreement. So two far. points. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say twofold. Like one, I don't even like. It's hard for me to even compare this to Hereditary because they are so. Yeah. They're on complete like for being horror movies, they're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, There's a lot of themes, also a lot of themes that overlap so, though. But Florence Pugh, her character, like there's something that happens to her towards the beginning of the movie and that has a black cloud over her the entire it's, film it's really well and done. you can feel that in such a palpable way where like as much i love tony collette tony collette don't get me wrong she gave one of the prof best performances of last year but at the end of the day she is just kind of a like a mother who's just kind of experiencing all this where florence is like this young woman who has all of these 
other trials and tribulations coming her way. And the way that she lets everything that she's seeing happen play off of her, um, I it's hard to get into too much specifics without getting into spoilers well, or anything like that. Let's just give but... final spoiler-free thoughts, and then we'll get into spoilers. Adam? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, it. I mean, like I said, I loved it. Um, I don't know what I would rate it, but, like, I... Because I do want to go back for a second viewing whenever I can, like, you know, man up a little bit and, like, actually, like, get to the theater. Cause it, it, it gets really easier on a second... On a second time, the end of the movie becomes really enjoyable to watch other people's reactions to. demented way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I really did love it, and I, I can't wait to see what he does next. I think that uh, I do want to watch it again. I know, like you said, I got a man up, uh, but I think on second viewing, I, I'll have a little bit less of that hereditary comparison in my head. Um, I, I just, I know they're very different movies, but like I went in knowing what Ari Aster was capable of with Hereditary, and Midsommar, like in a lot of ways, doesn't live up to that. But it's just trying to go for something so different that I, I I will own up to it being an unfair comparison. So overall, it didn't quite reach a level of the just visceral reaction that Hereditary did, even though there were like certain sequences in this movie that really just wowed me just because of how fucking bizarre and, and fucked up they are. Like, there's something wrong with this man. There's something truly, truly wrong. He's a sick man. He that didn't he comes up with some of the things that say, we see here. He just did an AMA on Reddit this week, and uh, one of my favorite things was somebody was just like, "Are you okay?" And he was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, "Yeah, that seems about right." Yeah, and, and some of my friends met him like a few weeks ago at one of the screenings. And they said he's like literally the nicest person they've ever met. Yeah, I've heard that he's just like a sweetheart. Oh. But there's something bubbling under the surface there. Yeah, oh, we, for sure. Um, yeah. We we find out a little more with each movie. But uh, just a just a final thought. I I just from a from a technical standpoint of of what he does as a director, this is undoubtedly one of the best movies of the year. I think that this is the best direction that I've seen in a movie this year. It's it's pretty fucking fantastic. Yeah, um, I mean, Endgame and Booksmart are still like a little bit above it on my list, but this is the best for sure, like the best directed movie. Yeah, my my issues are mainly more with his script. Um, I think the direction is close to flawless, just because of again the degree of difficulty of of being constantly in the daylight and and inducing that horror and building that tension. And not relying on on the traditional tropes of horror and darkness and all this stuff, um, the fact that he was able to do that with this movie and just give us something unlike anything I've ever seen in my life, amazing, amazing, amazing. Yeah, I, I, I adore this movie so much. I mean, I really, I, I can't wait to because I'm so glad that I saw this movie a second time because. It really leaves you the note that this movie ends on is the most melancholy feeling that I think I've ever had. And like it had me torn in eight different directions of I don't know what I'm feeling right now. I'm um, seeing it a second time. A lot of the things that maybe because I think on first viewing, I did have some more script issues, but even some things that I thought were a little bit weaker or kind of plot threads didn't really go anywhere. I kind of realized the thematic value that they're having um i want to get into specific things and spoilers that like kind of just leave me left me bewildered on the first viewing but on second viewing the themes of this movie really start to come out like in full force and, and the exploration of the of the cult of sort of like the mythology yeah well of i mean cult. of course the first time you watch it a movie like this that is a mystery in essence you're trying to sit there and unravel the mystery and you don't necessarily have time to like analyze every other little thing of narrative tipping of the cap that's happening yeah. around you. All right. So before we get into spoilers, I'll, I'll just say like, if, if for some reason you think that this is like a, uh, a happy movie, I don't know why you would think that, but the marketing, Hey, there's a, there's an ad for it that a 24 put out a, coachella-esque poster of yeah. midsummer 
love it i want that poster in my house if for some reason you you go into this thinking that that you're gonna have a a nice grand old jolly time at the movies just just uh just put a, a little bit of a, of a pause on that there's some some really fucked up things in this movie um, so just just be aware other side note um if you are planning on going to this movie with a date night make sure that somebody that you are in a secure relationship yes. with because this movie will break some people up like and i want to have um uh, we can just kind of transition this into spoilers if you guys are ready, because I have a little anecdote to get. Yeah, so so pause now if you haven't seen it, or keep listening if you don't care. But we're gonna get to spoilers for Midsommar right now. All right, so um, I saw this movie twice, as I said. The second time that I saw it, um, after the movie ended, uh, because I mean, we're in the spoiler section, some shit goes down. Um, a guy who was sitting i was sitting next to this couple in a pretty packed theater and the guy turned to his girlfriend and said well come on he didn't deserve all that and she oh, just like geez. looked at him like wait no what what do you mean why don't you think he deserved why don't you think he deserved to die why don't you think that he deserves this this? What, you're still sitting in the and theater yeah right and now. they started arguing with each other right there and i was like oh man they're about to break up oh no <laughs> this is exactly I, what Ari. yeah harry was just like yeah i'm gonna ruin this but that's one thing that i love about this movie is that for a lot of dudes from the male perspective of the characters in this movie this is just a straight up cult horror movie yeah almost almost like a slasher movie for florence pugh's perspective this is kind of a fairy tale and it has some very great fairy tale tones to it adam oh i was I was going to say, that's my take on what Arna said about there just not being a happy movie. It depends what lens you look at it from. <laughs> because yeah. uh, I... If there is some, some catharsis side, that she reaches. Yeah, um, I felt pretty inspired by the end. I was like, I don't know, I was kind of like, oh, I can kind of overcome anything? Cool. Like, I don't have to, like, you can find family anywhere? Cool. That's cool to me. <laughs> and yeah. that's, that's also where I get at this movie is like a horror movie that's played in reverse. I mean, think about... The beginning of this movie, we have her bipolar sister committing suicide and then also killing her parents. And, like, it's such a troubling image whenever you see the parents who you think are just sleeping whenever she's leaving the voicemail at first and everything else like that. And then later on, that shot with no no voiceover or anything, just the music, the score playing, which, by the way, one of the best scores of the year. The score is incredible. I've just been listening to it casually because I hate myself and I want to terrify <laughs> myself all the time. Um, but when you just have just the score playing and you see her sister, like, laying there, like, with a little bit of, like, vomit on her, just laying there dead, and then the computer in the background, illum- the only light in the room is the synthetic light coming from a computer screen and the the beautiful the little sequence of the 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 rescue the firefighters like going sort of in slow motion up through the house so well done yeah like i mean masterful the direction is perfect but from that that's how this movie begins on the most dark depressing note ever pre-title card we get this sequence and then the movie ends and she smiles. She has a family. She's happy. This is she's, like... she's she's rid herself of all of her grief and and troubles and and worries. Her her boyfriend is gone, dead yeah. in flames, and she's like, "Wow, don't I... be a Christian." That's <laughs> I say of this movie, "Don't be a Christian." Oh, because his name is Christian. Yeah. Oh my God, I just got that. <laughs> she has quite literally burned down toxic relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. I, I'll take this moment to sort of start to get into a little bit of my, my gripes um, with the film. I think this this Christian uh, character, I don't know the actor's name, I thought he was pretty bad. I did not like his performance at all. I would have liked, I would have preferred if, if they would have put someone a little better in this role. Uh, I know that when they're at the commune, they're like constantly on drugs. They're like always like tripping on something. I think that that character could have been a lot better if they would have made him react more to the insanity that was going on. Um, Because the only time that we see anybody sort of really, truly react to the, the, 
the fucked up things that are happening are sort of these side characters that disappear very quickly from the movie. It's almost like there, there's another horror movie happening in the margins here that Ari Aster doesn't want to touch because it's too conventional. And we see them freak out at the the, the, the suicide jump scene and they sort of just disappear from the movie. So I, I could have I could have used a little bit of more of just like one character like freaking out a little bit because the the closest thing we get from our main crew here is the 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 cheaty character from uh yeah my guy william harper jackson yeah he you can his performance when he starts to figure out like what the hell is going on here you can see it in his performance just his looks he starts to sort of piece it together and then he's gone okay so to that point, that was one thing that it was a criticism that I had, but then I caught it more on the second time. So think about why they're going there. They're anthropologists. They're just there to observe. Therefore, they have this level of detachedness to the whole thing. Like, none of them, that's why, um, I mean, I'm thinking of, uh, I can't remember his name, the Swedish guy who invited them uh, into this whole thing. Um, amazing performance. Love that guy. I need to pull up his name because he really did give a, an amazing performance. The scene where he... Uh, Wilhelm of, Blomberg is his name. The scene where he... Blomgren. He sits down with, uh, what's her name, Danny, mm-hmm. Lawrence's character. When he sits down with her and you know, sort of starts to, to get a little close to her. Uh, well, okay, there's a couple of times that this happens in the film, but I'm thinking specifically of the first time it happens when they're still in America, and he tells her how sorry he is to hear about the passing of her, of her family. That shook me. And that he says... That scene fucking got to me, because I've been in situations where I know that somebody has gone through loss, and I want to, like, be a good person and say like hey i, I feel for you i want to console be them you. or do you just choose to not remind them about the exactly what happened I've, I've been in situations like that and he chooses to bring it up and her reaction is like haunting it's yeah. fucking haunting yeah. pele and, is his name yeah, yeah and then the transition directly <laughs> as she runs into the bathroom directly into the airplane that's like my favorite shot in the movie. oh my god it's so, so good, good. So i like good. almost cheered in the theater when i saw that shit so amazing um no but also in that in that <laughs> same scene before that happens he says i'm really happy that you're coming and that's because chilling she yeah. knows <laughs> He Pele come Pele didn't have a family. He's technically an orphan, but this commune took him in and they became his family. He sees the same thing in Danny. He sees himself in Danny and says, Look, I know you don't have a family. Your whole family is dead now, but you can come and be part of my family. You can come and join this life. Where I mean, even uh with William Harper Jackson with his character, like he's still planning on going to like three other like random cult summer festivities after this so it makes sense why they have this almost detachedness to it all like see somebody kill themselves and there's like damn man that was that was tough where like the other americans or the the british people i guess are there just like yo what the fuck is this what did you take us to like we're out of here yeah which by the way i i want to talk about this scene because i loved this scene uh ari aster he loves him some prosthetic heads yeah he does and he loves having really fucked up scenes in like the middle of a movie. Yeah, yeah he does. and like making you stare at them and not cutting away. Uh, I thought that was so well done here. And when the sort of elder woman starts to kind of explain why they do this, I thought it was really good. I, I I found that one of the best uh little moments of exposition here because you kind of start to you understand why this is something that they truly value, like having ownership over your death. Mm-hmm. And it feeds into the larger theme of the movie of, of you know loss and grief and death and agency and fulfillment and all, all of these sort of interlocking themes where uh, Danny's parents did not choose their death. They were essentially murdered by her sister. And these people that are jumping off the, the cliff they're choosing their death so her seeing that is not only horrifying and traumatizing but it's also like like just digging in that dagger a little bit of like oh these look look what you're seeing these people they chose their deaths yeah and your parents didn't your parents died at the hands of somebody else without without choosing it 
But it, it goes the other way because they died peacefully in their sleep. And these people are being fucking destroyed by the impact of a giant rock. And they're one of them doesn't even die and has to get bludgeoned to death. So another thing that I think that is important about this movie and why it is long is because this movie is, I mean, I don't even know if this is getting a worldwide release. It's meant for an American audience. And it's about, you have to shed all of the customs that we know as, like, modern Americans. And, like, as you're just sitting there, just getting, like, sun-soaked from this two-and-a-half-hour-long thing, you are, like, almost forgetting the natural customs that come to you of, like, well, I mean, you die, you're going to grow old, and you'll probably get kind of sick, and you'll have stuff starting to die on you, and then one day you'll just die of a heart attack or something else. And it's just like, no, we're going to... This is our thing is that you're a child from this age to this age, and then you're in the your, you're, yeah, you're in spring period. I That's whenever that. you'll have sex and do everything else. Then you reach your time of labor, and then winter is the time when you become an elder, and then you die at 76 or whatever. Yeah, all, all of the sort of like mythology around the coal I found fascinating, and the entire middle chunk of the movie is devoted to this, because yeah. the, the last sort of chunk is the, the, the craziness of it all, the the basically what what we came here for part of the movie the fuck me up part of the movie but it takes so long to get there and i gotta admit it felt like a little too long for me but in retrospect it makes sense why aster chose for it to be that way because it makes it so you don't notice it coming on it's not like a flip switches and you're essential and then you're in the murderous cult movie you don't feel it coming on. And that's why it has to be so Yeah, because they're not out. like inherently evil cult. They just have different ideas than you. Yeah. And it's horrifying to us. But for them, it's just like, this is their this is life. Yeah. We have to bring in outsiders to kill or have sex with us so that we don't have inbreeding. Like, Oh, well, yeah. now, that, now that you mentioned the inbreeding, that's one of the most fascinating parts of this whole movie. The fact that they come to the realization uh, or, you know, we come to the realization as audience members that pretty much the reason why this is a cult of insane people is because their oracle has is an is an inbred that's been in. It, it's a descending line of inbreeding where their madness is interpreted as scripture. And they, yeah, I think this is the scene where I started to feel really sick when I realized yeah. like what it was. Yeah, it's like, wait, you're up until that point, you're sort of asking yourself, like, okay, so yeah, it's kind of weird. They're into some strange shit. Uh whatever, you know, it's it's not anything too out there. You're like, yeah, you know, the whole suicide thing's weird. But then once you it, it, up until that point, you you kind of get it. You you understand a little bit like it's uh foreign you know up until you get to that once you get to that point you're like oh everybody's about to fucking die these, yeah. all of these people are insane absolutely insane and and i thought that that was a very effective sort of twist there where you realize like the purpose of that inbred guy and it, it, it sort of starts to make everything click so that by the time everything else is playing out in the back half of the movie you're not asking you're not asking any questions at that point. You know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's just I like you said earlier, um, like the whole like world building, not world building, like the way like it deconstructs this kind of like culture and everything about it is just like really creepy and it's under your skin. And I think there is like an underlying message here about like the cultural difference between Americans and how they are when they visit other countries i think there's a way to like look at it from that perspective and how like disrespectful americans are which in this case i understand it because it's wild and they're actually committing suicide like off cliffs i get it but i think there is like a deeper meaning to like just how how americans view other cultures yeah yeah now that you mentioned it you think i think it's almost like like aster's just trying to satirize our uh, americans views of like what's exotic and yeah it's foreign exactly and i mean i think that that also plays into the whole theme of them all being there for anthropology 
anthropology, like, I know that anthropologists exist everywhere, but that's such an American thing where you're just like, oh, like, I just need to go discover, like, other people's cultures because I'm a privileged white kid yeah. and I don't have culture of my own to, like, think about. So, like, this whole fascination of, like, ooh, let's go explore, like, these people are crazy cult. Let's go check them out and see what yeah. happens. Like, yeah, I mean, someone, it's such an American like thing. goes to India. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You see someone like sledgehammered in the face to death, and you're like, ah, yes, culture. Yeah, like, <laughs> and, and that's one thing that like I I love about this movie is that he makes these kind of drawings like this, but they're all things that are all in the background that you don't necessarily. Because I mean, if you're just watching this just for straight plot, then you're like, okay. Girl's family gets killed. She got some issues with her boyfriend that they are not working out. They're going on a trip to Sweden. They're crazy cults and shit ensues from there. But then if you look on kind of the seams of everything else, you can see all this. Christian, I like, I hate him so much, but I love him as a character because like we all know a Christian. Somebody who's just like kind of a a little bit of a dude bro who's just like coasting through life wants to like piggyback up off of other people's success all the time. Like this was Chidi's plan was to do his thesis. And he's like, Hey, you know what, man? Good news. I'm going to do the same thing that you're doing. Yeah. Like I don't wanna, we can I collaborate. Don't you want to collab dude. And Chidi's like, yeah, no, what the fuck? Like, no, this is my thing. Like I like him as a character because there are people out there that are him whether they realize it or not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, I think that's the entire point. Cause I've seen like a lot of takes also like what you're talking about with that, a couple arguing with you or with them in the theater. Um, is he a terrible person? No, but like, that's kind of the point of the movie. It's not to like, he's like this despicable guy. He's like, he's just a, he's not a good person either. He's pretty average at every turn. And I think what I, um, what I found even scarier than the whole cult aspect of this movie was how like toxic their relationship is and how terrible the communication is. Like that made me cringe more than any of the cult stuff. It's just how terrible they are at communicating with each other. Yeah, no, that that really is. That's why like I want to warn you, like, hey, if you and are not in a great spot with your significant other, I'd probably I'd probably hang on to I'd probably wait on Midsummer. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know if that's something that you want to jump right into because not a great date movie if not, you're yeah if you're secure in your relationship couple, yeah. then you'll probably be fine and you can be like yeah no i i agree with what happened here and if you cheat then like yeah i'll fucking put you in a bear and kill you <laughs> <laughs> it's a bear uh i now that this uh this little uh topic reminds me of uh another one of my gripes with the movie which is uh when we're in sort of the the first third uh setup phase of the film um we're introduced to this dynamic between danny and this group of friends where they don't really want her around they don't like her there's this like palpable awkwardness to their dynamic where it, 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 i mean you really feel it when they get to the field in in sweden and they want to take mushrooms and she doesn't want to because she just she's in a foreign place well and... she she also just lost her family yeah. like she doesn't she's still dealing with that and there is this like pressure for christian to take the drugs from his friends but also a little bit of pressure from her for him to be a good fucking boyfriend to her which he clearly isn't oh at that all. scene that scene where there's just like seven seconds of silence between them where he just like looks at her like i I, what do you want me to do here? Like, I, it's just, it's so also, palpable. It's all in one take. Yeah. Like, the camera just glides over from the car to the people, and it never cuts. It's really well done. But my, my gripe here is that I really wish that that dynamic carried through the film more. Because it kind of, it doesn't really lead anywhere. And I would have really liked for that conflict to show itself more throughout the film. That the fact that, that they don't want her there, that there's this um, sort of, uh, I guess you could call it like a little bit of a battle in in the group, this inner battle within the group where they're not really getting along. And then you throw in the fact that uh, Pele like really cares about Danny and wants to be with her, or at least that's what you're led to believe. Um, and there's no 
conflict there where there's nothing is developed between Christian and Pele where uh, that you feel any sort of, of drama within this relationship. So, so the movie sets up all of these things that I don't feel really pay off because it starts the, the second half of the movie prioritizes all these other crazy things that I love. And I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining about what we get in the second half. I'm complaining about how some of these things in the, in the, first half don't exactly pay off as well as they could and don't tie into the story as well as they could so i i do want to push back against a bit against that because i don't it's not like any of the guys in the group except for maybe will poulter which by the way we haven't even talked about will poulter fucking hilarious so good so glad that he was in this movie um but none of the guys like they don't hate danny they're just like oh dude just fucking dumper man like and so Whenever they get there, it's not so much that they were going to have a big argument or fight with her or anything. It's more so that they're just completely ambivalent, and they almost forget that she's even there. Like, they're just there, they're just wandering around, doing their little expedition and stuff, and they forget, like, oh, yeah, there's this other girl here who's with us. I guess she's going to go off with the ladies today. You know, who cares? Like, let's do some mushrooms. Let's hit the weed pen and just like wander around this place. What? Oh man, a pretty Swedish girl is looking at me. I better go check that out. Like that's, that's more so that I don't think that it needed to have a sense of conflict. And also with Christian and Pele, because Pele is the only guy who actually is giving her any attention. Christian doesn't even notice that Pele is the only dude who's giving her any kind of affection whatsoever, which points out he's too busy, like checking out who this like, pasty redhead is yeah. like that's checking me out child. By the way. she's a child yeah pretty she's, much. she's pretty much she's probably like <laughs> 16 to 18 in that range yeah i was wondering how old she was because that was really bothering me after i left the theater <sighs> well yeah. i mean so okay so getting into that whole dynamic i did want to one thing i wanted to bring up is i love how the use of like uh tapestries and glyphs and stuff like that uh just foreshadow everything that's going to happen the runes like the very first uh, right whenever the movie starts up and it has them it has them dancing in the circle and it has her getting the mayfling flower it has a man oh the first shot yeah Yeah, Yeah, that's all like telling you the entire story that's where it has this fairy tale aspect to it and then later on which wait which by the way that piece uh, I learned in an interview on the big picture that it was commissioned by this artist named Mu Mu Pang, I think, which is a guy I've followed on Instagram for a little while now, and he does that sort of artwork. Had wow. no idea that Ari Aster wow. was a fan, and that he got him to do this. That's awesome piece for the film. <laughs> um, but and then from that we have the whole shot where they're introduced that there's just a bear in a cage yeah, over there, and they're like, it's a bear. Um. And then the it's camera, almost like it's almost like don't worry it'll pay off. The camera pans over and you see the entire story of Christian's uh like betrayal. Yeah, with like, the period you an, blood. You see a woman over there, and then you see her like cut off her pubes and put it into some pie, and then like squirt blood into like a cup and then give it to him, which is then just paid off all throughout the movie that like he's eating a pie and is just like yo. There's like a hair in here. I think yeah. this is a pubic hair. And then like they're all sitting there with their drinks and his drink is just a little bit more red. Everybody <laughs> else is drinking orange juice and he's drinking like grapefruit juice. And you're uh, like, I, oh, I don't know about that. Maybe you should pass that around to somebody else. Just like hereditary, the detail here, like in those like little moments, it's like immaculate. Like he does it better than anyone else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I got to I got to bring up the the sequences of like psychedelia oh my god no that's why ari aster has definitely i was like oh yeah no this guy has definitely done hallucinogenics before yeah that was like the scene where they're tripping mushrooms and the way how when they're just sitting on that hill by that tree and the tree is like moving in it i was like i've been on the soylent before i i off the soylent before i mean i've i've seen the way that things are visualized in that is the most, it's probably like the best use of visualization of hallucinogenics that I've ever yeah. seen. And the fact that we're in broad daylight too, just makes it like a little bit more saturated, a little bit more overexposed. It just, everything has this glow to it. Oh yeah. Like the second they go into the, uh, into the like community, it like gets brighter. Like there's almost yes. like an Instagram filter over the movie. Yeah, it, this the whole movie too, and it, by the time you get to the very end, 
once everything is like going fucking crazy it's like so oversaturated it's so, colorful. so bright so colorful um and at that point too at the end like the way they the way they make people's faces like morph they move a little the flowers look like they're breathing their as eyes you're, like, are like shifting and their face yeah. like growing and shrinking because they all take acid before they do their uh, yeah <laughs> their all and it's trip. subtle too like there's some shots where you don't notice it you don't you feel like it's not even there but then it sort of slowly starts to creep back in and it's the it's the whole movie just has that sort of feel to it. And in some scenes it gets more extreme than others. Um, but I think this is a good time now to talk about one of the most fucked up things I've seen in my life in a movie theater. And what will surely go down as one of the most memorable moments in film uh this whole year, which is <laughs> This sex oh. scene. Oh my god. Perfect. Um. Like, <laughs> dude. Oh my god. This is so perfect. I can never, like, I'm never going to be able to replicate the feeling that I had seeing this the first time. Where it's me, at one point, I'm like bent over, like, looking between my eyes. My mouth is completely agape. And I look over my side and everybody <laughs> else in the theater is doing the same thing. Nobody can realize what's happening in this moment. Yeah. It is terrifying people in my theater had to like we had to laugh it off a little bit because yeah it was no so you have to laugh it off because it's it's intentionally like humorous at some point yeah. when an old woman gets behind him and starts pushing his ass <laughs> inside of her yeah like i saw this at a press screening and they should all be respected journalists but they were all laughing their ass yeah like you just can't help yourself whenever you watch something like they that. start like grabbing their breasts and it, it, i mean this sort uh-huh. of uh, they start moaning with her with yeah. her moans. So there's this recurring thing in the film where in their crazed psychedelic trip, they start to mimic the emotions of those around them. And specifically those that they are sort of centering the moment around. So it it's so sort of genius how this whole sequence is put together. Because on one hand, we have christian uh almost said making love but it's not it's uh, and it's not fucking either it's something much more disturbing than that um, uh compared with uh danny's uh reaction to seeing that and her uh just absolute uh heartbreak beyond heartbreak and all of the the cult members the commie members are mimicking the emotions channeling the emotions almost like they're trying to take the emotion from them um and on one hand it's like comical what we're seeing these women like all grab naked women grabbing their breasts mimicking the moans and on the other hand it's like really touching but also like very disturbing scene of uh florence or danny surrounded by her uh fellow women and all of them just screaming along with her and and heaving along with her and to that point um so these women they're mimicking the emotions and trying like you said it seems like they're trying to like loosen the burden of this also there are these women who she just yeah share the burden there are these women who just she just met three days ago and they're empathizing with her more than christian ever did in their entire relationship yeah. That's why I love like the symbolism of all of that this whole time is that I mean it was very obvious like with this dude they had no intention of keeping Christian around to like be part of the the new family. It was all about with Danny. Like they just wanted his sperm. They just wanted yeah, they just wanted his sperm so they could prevent so they don't have too much incest going on. <laughs> Minimize that incest. Minimize the incest. Uh also we gotta talk about the whole Maypole, the dance scene. So, yeah. Adam, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that scene was crazy because just like also the hallucination scene, like you get so into that scene that you start to feel like dizzy yourself. Like by the time it's actually over, um, but the way it was shot was beautiful. I like the dress she's wearing and just the colors. But yeah, it's it's weird. It's not really creepy, but it's very anxiety, you know, inducing. Oh yeah. Um, and the way they end it's like on a very happy note, and it's, like if only you knew what was coming after. 
Like, <laughs> but the way they're like celebrating it and everything. But yeah, I love that sequence. I I think the choreography there is so beautiful, and we get these like big top-down shots of the whole thing, and there's not a lot of cutting, so you know that they actually have this big group there choreographed and and like yeah it is very disorienting too because you know like everyone's on drugs so you feel this this haze too this trippy haze you you feel like how they're feeling except they're all like tripping so they're still like kind of like at least having some kind of body euphoria happening and i love how it like just escalates with her just speaking gibberish at one point they're like you're doing it you're speaking swedish yeah we understand each other like that that's how like how fucked up they are and then it ends in the most beautiful thing ever where she gets this flower crown and lifted up and everything else and eventually she's wearing a full flower like gown i don't even know what to call it it's like covered yeah in flowers uh what did you guys think of some of these like dinner sequences we get a couple of them in the film adam i love the first one like when it just goes on forever and they're still like they don't really know what's going on yeah what was that line he said like uh when do we eat when it feels right yeah yeah like like the way i think that's like the best example of the movie like just letting things really play out like just like really letting it go out um like maybe the best example of that um and by like the third one what is it like will polter just like freaking out like about everything going on like I i loved it i thought that was actually like some of the best scenes in the movie yeah, it it just goes to that point I made earlier about, like, Ari Aster feeling like he wants to just show you the minutia of this cult. Like, really explore the details of what their customs are, what their mythology is like. All of these things, like, he wants to emphasize that so much. And for me, it detracted just a little bit from the characters and our connection to them. Um, but it's not a huge complaint, because... I still think it's a really well done film and, and it still resonated with me on a deeper level. Um, so not complaining too much, but what, what other sort of things do we, do we take away from the film in terms of like the characters or some of this mythology stuff? I mean, I, I see these moments uh, like that are emphasizing the cult aspect. They never really took away from the characters. Cause at the end of the day, Danny is the only really compelling character that's there. The rest of them, even if they're not bad guys, like Christian, like Adam said, like they're not bad guys, but they're still just, they have this level of detachedness from the rest of it. So you never really invest fully into like, I wonder how William Harper Jackson, I wish I could take a look at how his thesis is going right now. Like nobody cares. Like we don't need to spend time with that. I more just want to spend time with this world and then see how, some of these crazy characters are reacting to everything that's happening around them. Um, I love the dinner scenes. I love how they, this is like one little horror trope that they kind of played into, but it's like, they almost poke fun at it in a way where they're just like, one member of their gang is missing every single like dinner time that comes around where they're like, huh? Yeah. I haven't (laughs) seen that guy in a while. I haven't seen him since last night. Wait, is there somebody else who's missing right now? This is crazy. And they're like, yeah, he's probably off having sex or doing his thesis without me. Like, there's like, what? because it's, it's just played off to yeah. be whatever. I love the scene where um, William Jackson Harper sneaks in at night uh, to take pictures of the holy text. And uh, he thinks he sees his friend Will coming back after having some sexy times. And Actually, it turns out I had to learn this in the AMA because I had no idea who was wearing the face of Will. It's the guy who uh, yells at Will Will after he pees on the elder tree. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's that guy comes out. He's yeah, wearing but the Will. image of the the the, the face, face on a stretched face. out apart. It's fucking horrifying. It's terrifying. It's truly haunting. Another another great piece of imagery is the the one guy who has been like cut open oh, yeah, and the lifted other over the chickens yeah, and this... his lungs are still he's like still alive well, no, that was the scariest shot for me that I, was... I almost puked and <laughs> after that comes after this sex scene where Christian suddenly realizes what happens after he's, like, also running around they naked. like blew like DMT in his face or something <laughs> like that like I have no idea what the hell like they blew in his face to make him trip out before he went and have sex but it all starts like hitting him what he did so he runs out of there 
bloody dick and all just hanging out like and just runs around sees other people and then like tries panics runs into a barn and then sees this kid who he just met a couple days ago who's completely splayed open with chickens like picking at his insides haunting haunting any any other like memorable imagery adam not so much imagery but i wanted to just point out um i don't know if this was brought up in the uh, ama on reddit but like he uh he wrote this after a breakup a few years ago um which is very telling uh uh you can tell that he probably went through a really bad breakup and this movie um there's one scene when he's with uh where danny and pally are talking um and I, what does pally say he's like uh do you feel held by christian Ooh, yeah that's one of my favorite lines from the movie and I, I i just think that's worth talking about the whole idea that he wrote this right after a breakup he wrote this before he wrote hereditary yeah uh like what five years ago i think um so i think that's interesting and it's it doesn't surprise me at all though like <laughs> this is the cause of a breakup well i think it goes back to that point about the the catharsis you know the the fact that for danny this is a happy ending obviously like she is uh like a little bit abducted by a cold that murders her she boyfriend. She chose to and be there friends. by the end, though. She's happy. I mean, that's what that last shot is all about. Is that 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 face of the last shot? I still think about that. How it goes from a face of horror to a face of anger to a face of like very passive to like a face of acceptance, and like this smile comes upon her face, mm-hmm. and she plays all this out in the course of just 20, like 20, 30 second shot. That's just her face. Her acting is pretty. Florence Pugh great. is amazing. And that's one thing like I lines like that about like, do you feel held? That's why I still love this script. I actually really want to read. I know that the screenplay is leaked out, but I was, of course, saving myself until after yeah, watching the movie it. to read it. But I really want to read this script after watching this movie. And there's probably so many things in the script that are just in meticulous notes on in some files or or dusty drawers of Ari Aster's desk that have like every detail about the mythology of this cult. And because he talks about how it's kind of like an, an amalgamation of a lot of different types of uh, Nordic and English and um, Slavic and all these things, um, but he created something like that feels very unique and original, it fe- inspired and it, by real life things. But it does; it feels real, and I feel like that's one of the most disturbing things about this movie. Well, it kind of is for me is that it, it quote unquote is real because they built this. They really built a lot of this commune yeah. out. And this is, I. it's also shot in, I think it's shot in Romania. Uh, Hungary. Um, Hungary, that's where it is. Yeah, but it's still, it's shot in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Like this, it feels, this feels like a real place that you can go to. Yeah. Which is more terrifying. Yeah, but back to the um, the point that Adam was making about the, the, the what's it called? The breakup is, uh, I think that what this movie does is it starts out as a movie about loss and grief and her partner's inability to be there for her in the face of that to a movie about uh, autonomy and self-actualization. And it does it. I know that like part of me feels like it abandons part of those themes because again, with my comparison of hereditary, those themes are carried over from hereditary, the themes of family and loss and grief. And that's how this movie starts. And it just through the, this journey of Danny, it just becomes something so much grander and, and, and different that, it's not just about her finding the right way to deal with that grief and letting go of the partner that should have been there for her in the face of that grief. It's deeper than that. And it's, and it's more about her uh, realizing that, that, that she is meant for greater things. And I guess those greater things are being like the May Queen of some Swedish cult. But it's all a metaphor for... I guess, like, not defining yourself by 
the things in your past or mm-hmm. the things that you think are important um, and just looking towards the future and, and finding what's next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can find like family and solace anywhere, even in a cult of psychopaths. Yeah, <laughs> uh, even, I mean, they're psychopaths because of the inbreeding which is kind of crazy well, it's like i still like i'm not trying to sympathize with a, a murderous suicidal cult here <laughs> but i do feel like i psychopath doesn't seem like the right term because i mean they're doing what they feel is right like they're all to be a psychopath means that you have to be like it has to be so drastic that it's like repulsory to the culture itself and this is just their culture. It seems psychopathic to us as Americans, but for them, this is their life. It's all like they know. Like you said, they're choosing this life. Like, I mean, by the end of this all, I mean, even Danny is choosing to stay here because she sees something in this that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people tried to leave and they were murdered. So that might have something to do with it, too. Well, I mean, you know, well, they kind of sucked. They didn't even appreciate the whole <laughs> suicide. Of, yeah. yeah, just like chill, guys. I mean, like, they brought a perfectly nice bear for them and everything, and they just yeah. discarded it. I mean, like, it's a bear. Come I, on, I guys. I did like how Danny does freak out at the suicide, at the cliff suicide, but she, like, internalizes she it She doesn't entirely. look away. Yeah. She just... <laughs> and, and Christian, like, tries to talk to her about it, and she's just like, I don't want to be, I can't be here right now. So she is freaking out. She is having like a moment of panic and anxiety, but she doesn't want to fully deal with it because of what we saw in the previous scene, the first trip scene of her like freaking out about it and and really going a little bit off the rails about it. So, yeah. Any last things? Um, One other uh, little subtle thing, just because I actually completely forgot about it. One moment in this movie that really reminded me of Hereditary. I had to look this up afterwards. So you know the shot, uh, whenever she's tripping, she wanders into the, into the shed, into the shed and yeah. then she she strikes a match, and there's a face behind her. Yeah. It's her sister with the gas yeah. mask on. Yeah, I noticed that. that I, I, could, I just saw a, a thing, and I was like, oh man, Ari's playing with shadows again. Here we go. Like... One of my friends brought up, um, I didn't notice this, but she said there's one scene where she's like running through the woods. I think it's like right before that, like where she's like running through their panicking. That's right. You can see her face in the woods too. Oh, wow. I didn't notice that, but my friend told me that. So I'm going to have to like look up for a second. Yeah, that's I there's so many subtle things about this movie. I, I love this movie so much. Like it's, I would recommend checking it out a second time. Um, it's, I, it, it is kind of easier to stomach everything because you have yeah, you a little bit more happening. of what's you happening. What's um, like, I mean, this isn't, like, Hereditary is a movie that, like, I thought, like, I was, like, scared of at night and everything else. This is I more was. so a movie that, no, I said it is. No, oh, Hereditary okay, okay, completely yeah. was. Um, This movie is just something that, like, I just have been thinking about nonstop. I still cannot stop, like, shaking out certain images in my head and then kind of battling with this whole idea of, like... Maybe these cults are like onto something yeah. here. Like maybe they, but like maybe we need to reevaluate American customs. Maybe our Drew will things. come back here and just invite us to his. Uh, Drew's gonna new come friends. back here with a Swedish accent and long curly yeah. hair. All right. Well, I think that about does it. Uh, Adam, thanks for coming on. Uh, we're glad to have you. We're gonna have you on again pretty soon. For... Yeah, I mean, I I do love Midsummer and everything. But uh, I, this is the main event, I think. Yeah, Fast and Furious presents yes. Hobbs and Shaw coming soon. Lion King presents Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Lion King one and a half. Is there anything you want to plug, Adam? Um, yeah, you can follow me on uh, Letterbox and Adam Sidorius, Twitter at uh, Adam J Sidorius, and I have a new uh, podcast called The Critics Podcast. So the side side I write for C R I. T T I C X C K S. Yes, you got it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a. We'll link it down in the name. in the show notes. And I just want to say, listen to the We Bought a Mic podcast yeah. first, the Hop and Shop. But it's pretty good on the Hop and but the Critics podcast that week. I will be completely wasted live recording my yes. reaction Hop and Shop that night. Hell so yeah. if you uh, if you're looking forward to that, you know, go ahead and listen then. 
Hunter, anything to plug? Um, Twitter, letterbox, uh, at Hunt Mobley, H-U-N-T-M-O-B-L-E-Y. Been making some fire Lion King memes. Um, if you want a little preview uh, before I talk about my big old fat cracking crate that's you're gonna hear yeah, in the next couple up, days stick around um you can check it out in there i might do a giant review for uh hoop dreams which is uh little well i'm talking hoop dreams for one of the things might do a giant review for that because yeah it's good cool and you can follow me at calerness on letterbox twitter instagram uh check me out on there and hit up we bought a mic on twitter instagram and facebook stick around we got Lion King, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and of course, Hobbs and Shaw. So, Adam, thanks again. We'll see you then. Uh, yeah, Midsommar, Wabam. Catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.